0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together.
1: Thank you, everybody that participated in that. Uh, Can you imagine uh, being a teenager or um, young person and alone and finding yourself pregnant and no resources, no place to go? Uh, your situation is hopeless. Uh, You decide to have that child. Um, You go to the Hope House, and uh, women who love Jesus take you in, care for you, and then we get to help them, and that's a, what a gift. We get to do things for them that they can't do for themselves, and and we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus for a, a little bit, uh, for those people who are those young women who are so desperate, and and at the Living Hope, at the Hope House there in Sholo, and and really young women come um, because the last time I was up there, um, we were doing projects, and and I met a young woman who had found her way to Sholo from Scottsdale, um, who wasn't allowed to go home anymore because she was pregnant. And she was up at Sholo and it just reminded me that that young women are coming from all over because they know there's some place that they can have hope and, and get some help. And, uh, and so they take them into this house and they care for them and they uh, make sure that they're healthy, they make sure that they get to uh, learn about Jesus, they, they make sure that they learn skills, uh, they take them, they tr- teach them how to take care of their babies, uh, all of those things help them then get assimilated back uh, into the community, and uh, all of that is, um, you know, for the sake of Christ and his church, and so what a privilege it is to be part of that. So those of you who could do it, and I know a number of you who typically do it weren't able to, but for those of you who could, thank you uh, what a great gift it is. And it's part of the best summer ever uh, because, you know, there's, there's several ways to have the best summer, right? Uh, we can play, and that's awesome, and I personally love to play. Um, I think growing up is way overrated. But uh, we can play, uh, and we can rest, uh, but part of having the best uh, summer ever is also doing something of value, uh, figuring out a way to serve fi- figuring out a way to to give um, of ourselves and and so we try to create opportunities uh, for us to, to do that and we love to do it together we love to do it as a as a community as a church body uh, to serve together and and so part of the best summer ever is figuring out how to serve How to give away ourselves, and and that's what we're going to talk about this a a little bit this morning. Because uh, in our series, the best summer ever, this morning we're going to talk about pour in, and um, (laughs) and so uh, in in our in our effort to keep the N-word in there, to to live in, to abide in. This this morning we're going to talk about pour in, and we're going to do it, uh, we're going to come at it from an interesting angle out of 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. We're going to read eight verses, but as as a prologue to those, I want to set the stage for you just a little bit, because the Apostle Paul wrote these words, and he is imprisoned in Rome, and he understands that his time is just about done. Uh, that he is chained to one of the royal guards 24 hours a day. He knows that any moment uh, the decision could be handed out, that he's to be executed, and certainly he is going to be executed shortly after this, uh, and he's going to die for his faith. He's going to die because of his ministry. I was thinking about this, and my apologies to Irena. I was thinking about this, though, uh, when during communion, and Irena is leading this song for us, and I was thinking about how many of us could say that we've been in prison for our faith. Uh, there's not a lot of hands just firing up right now, but Irena's husband was in prison four times for his faith and they were able to immigrate to the United States. they become naturalized citizens. She's part of their part, of, she and her family, uh, Sodiq and Irena and Daniel are part of our church and uh, if, if anybody kind of defines pouring out, or uh, pouring in, it would be um, Irena and Sodic. Um, we're grateful that they're part of our church family. And, and so we're gonna talk about this, this morning, but Paul is in prison. Paul is going to be executed. Paul is coming to his last days. He knows that the end is near. And he is trying desperately to, to write a letter to his protege, Timothy, the one who is following, the one that he, maybe he trusts the most, the one that he's trying to hand the baton off to. And he is writing these words to Timothy, who's a young man, and he's saying, Timothy, here's some lessons that I just need you to know. I want you to get this so badly. And so I'm, I'm writing this to you. And Paul is going to talk to Timothy about what it looks like to finish well. What it looks like to finish strong. About 30 years ago, an author, uh, 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 he was was actually a consultant, wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he had these seven habits that I thought were really profound. And and if you you look at the author, you may not agree with him theologically on everything, but you would would look at some of these habits and and they make total sense. And for example, one of the ones that really impacted me as a, a younger husband and father was listen to understand. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? But what he was saying is don't listen to respond, don't listen to fix, but first listen to understand what, is they, what are they really saying? What's really going on here? And make sure that as you listen, you listen to understand first. And not simply what we typically do is, is that we listen to respond. We, we listen uh, preparing our answer with, rather than really trying to understand what's going on. One of the other things that, that he said in this book was begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. And, and here's what he says. He, he says, write your own epitaph. R- um, write what you want people to say at your memorial service and then start living it now. You can't make people say those things. You can't decide uh, at the end of your life that that's how you wanna be remembered. But he says, start now, start when you're young, start building those things into your life that, that you wanna be remembered for, what really matters. And it struck me at that time that that's how we were called to live, that that's what this is all about. If you wanna finish well, you don't start at the end. He had this great line. He talked about the law of the harvest. And he said, you know, you can't cram for the harvest. It's like, it's like college, you know, you, you can't, it's really, it gets harder and harder to cram for tests, right? Uh, you don't retain the information, you don't really learn anything, you're just trying to get past a test. He said, you can't cram for the harvest, but you have to sow seed in its season. You have to nurture the soil. You have to water the ground. You have to take care of the crop. And then in due season, you will reap a harvest. And, And that's the idea that if we really want to know how we're gonna finish, we start early in our lives and we start sowing those seeds and we start nurturing it and caring for it so that at the end, we get the crop that we believe God has led us to, that God's called us to. And so the Apostle Paul desperately wants Timothy to understand this. And so here's what he says. Uh, we're going to read it. And one more thing, though. One more thing that struck me. Uh, that, that we're not going to read this, but in verse 10, he mentions an obscure guy named Demas. Uh, and Demas is mentioned in Philippians, and he's also mentioned in Colossians as one of, uh, one of the guys that travels with Apostle Paul that he's with Paul but then all of a sudden in 2 Timothy 4th chapter the 10th verse he says and Demas who has de- who's left me who's deserted me because he loved the world more and Demas didn't finish the race he didn't finish well. And so Paul is trying to give these instructions to Timothy how to finish well, but he gives him this also, this example of Demas who didn't do it, who loved the world more than the things of God, who loved the world in his comfort and, and being, um, you know, doing his, what made him feel good and his security more than the mission that God had given him. And it's interesting that in the Greek, the word demas means popular. That maybe it was that in the face of rejection, In the face of persecution, in the face of incarceration, and even execution, Demas preferred to be popular. He preferred to be well-liked, and he deserted Paul in his hour of greatest need. And so Paul writes this in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 8, I charge you, speaking to Timothy, but speaking to us as well, and will turn away from listening to the truth, and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Wow, Before before we go any further, let's, can we just pray with me one more time? Heavenly Father, this is your word. This is your living, breathing word. And Lord, somehow we need those words to become part of our lives. Somehow we need those words to transform us by your Holy Spirit. And so Lord, I ask this morning that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word, to what you have for us. Lord, that you would lead us into truth for our lives. You would lead us into truth for our church family, how we do this as a community, how we live this life out for your kingdom and your sake. And so Lord, we commit all of this to you and we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, his protege, is I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. So here's what Paul says. It sounds kind of familiar, actually, because when I, when I do a wedding and we get ready for the vows, I always tell this, the couples that this, is, this isn't just for you guys, but you're making these promises before God, uh, that you're making these promises for God and your family and your friends, that this isn't just some, saying something I hope that we're going to do, and I, and I hope we're going to be able to pull this off, and, and I'm going to love you as long as I feel like loving you, and all of those kind of things, but here's what we say, is that I'm making promises to you before the God of the universe, before Christ Jesus, our Lord and King, I make these promises to you. Last week we did a parent-child dedication and we asked the parents some questions and before each question we asked them, do you commit before God and your family and your friends, that this isn't just something you're saying we hope to do and this just isn't something you're saying that as long as it's convenient, but this is something that you're saying before God, I'm committing to these things. And the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy that Timothy, your audience is God. You are doing this for Jesus. You're serving the body of Christ, and you're serving his world, but you're doing it for him. He's the one that you're uh, you're living to please. He's the one that you're serving. He's the one that you're pouring your life out for. It's for his kingdom. It's for his glory, and everybody gets the benefit, but you're doing it for him, not for praise, not for popularity, not for acceptance, but for the kingdom of God, for his glory. So he begins with this. So Timothy's going to get, this is really serious. This is really important. And then the very first thing he says is preach the word. Preach the word. And I want to emphasize the word. That here's what he's saying. I want you to preach the word of God. I want you to preach the scripture. I don't want you to preach great opinions. And I don't want you to preach preach popular sayings, but I want you to preach out of the Word of God. I want you to share with people. I want you to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is that we have been given, that has been shared with us. I want you now to share that with other people, and I want you to be the herald. I want you to be the messenger of God, and I want you to preach always out of the Scripture. Everything begins with Scripture we were talking last week as a staff you know one of the challenges that we have sometimes when we when we speak like this is that we we hear a wonderful story or we hear a great analogy and it's so awesome and it's so compelling that you tend you want to build a sermon around the story around the analogy around the illustration it's the kiss of death for somebody that's preaching that we always start with the scripture and we build everything around that because we preach the word with emphasis on the word of God, and so Paul says, Timothy, preach out of God's word, out of the richness of his word in your life, and then he says something interesting. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Always be ready to give an account for Christ. Always be ready to share the good news of Jesus. Now, here's something I would encourage you with that I I talk to people about all the time, and that is that all of us need a two minute version of our testimony and a 30 minute version of our testimony. and and that we always need to be ready with with whatever's appropriate, that we have an opportunity to share uh, what Christ has done in our lives. We ought to have a version that we can give in a couple of minutes when, when time is short, but then we have a version that we can give in a half an hour if we really have time to enter into dialogue because what really matters to people, what really grabs people's hearts is our story, what Jesus has done in our lives, and he calls us to be prepared. As pastors, as preachers, he calls us to be prepared in season and out of season. (laughs) <laughs> so that means that there's no, there's no time that we're not uh, in the game. There's no time that we're not in the battle. There's no time that we're not uh, ready to share the love of Jesus because Christ is our life. How could we not share that? How could we not give that away to someone who is in need? How could we pass an opportunity because, you know what, it's not Sunday. Let's wait till Sunday. We'll get to that. I'm on vacation this week or I've had a rough week at work and, and, I, and I, I don't want to get into this. This is going to take too long. This is going to be too hard. And then, heaven forbid, that they, they respond somehow to what I'm saying and now I've got to follow up. I've got this new friend I've got to worry about and take care of. And, and we don't want to do that. And so we kind of pick the seasons that, that we're willing to be engaged. And, and and Paul is saying be prepared, preach the gospel, be ready in season and out of season that we're always in the game, There's no time. <laughs> I was, there's no time we're not. I was thinking about this, that, that some of you guys mark your calendars your, you know, by deer season and some of you by turkey season. I know, got an amen there. Um, some of you by the NFL season, uh, right? And, and then others by different times. And here's, uh, here, here's what Paul is saying is that if you're a follower of Jesus, there is no off season. That we're always in season, we're always ready for the game, that we're always engaged. So he says, preach the gospel, preach the word, in season and out of season. And then he says, reprove, which is an interesting Bible word. Uh, you can use, you can, you could substitute in there uh, the, to convict, uh, to challenge. Uh, here, here's what I love: if you're a parent, uh, you take these three words that he says. He says, reprove. Um, Reprove, and then he uses the word rebuke, and then exhort, those three words. And so picture this, your, your, your child does something, and um, I know this doesn't happen in your house, but they, they do something wrong, and you say, you know what, that wasn't right. You didn't obey, that was wrong. I need you to think about this. Well, they do it again, and you say, you know what, This is bad, and there are consequences to this that something's gonna happen as a result of this. There's a price to pay for not being obedient. And so when we when we reprove, we're convicting, we're telling people here, we're telling our kids, we're telling somebody else that, that here is sin, that this is wrong, that this is disobedience, and then if, if that doesn't work, then we rebuke, and we say, you know what, I wanna remind you of the consequences of your disobedience, that this is between you and God, this is something, but it also affects our whole family, it expects, it, it changes our community all of those kinds of things and and there are consequences to your behavior that are really serious and then the last one is exhort and that's where you say but i know you can do this i know you can do it i know it's in your heart i know that's not you that action and i know god's got something bigger for you and i'm cheering for you and i'm on your side and we encourage, and we exhort, and we challenge, but first we reprove, and then maybe we have to rebuke, but then we say, but I know you can do it. I know it's in you. I know there's something bigger in your life. I know that God's doing something inside of you, and we exhort each other, and we encourage each other, and we challenge each other, and we do it together, and the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy that all of those things are part of your life. All of those things are part of your ministry. It's all part of preaching the gospel, that there are times when we repue, reprove, there are times that we're rebuked, and there are times that we exhort each other, and we live that life out in community, and we're always ready to be part of it. We're always ready to speak those words. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, to, for us to be complete, for us to be equipped for every good work, we, we need this in our lives. So not only is, is Paul, does he challenge Timothy uh, to do the work of the ministry, does he challenge Timothy to preach the word, to reprove and to rebuke and to exhort, but he also is saying, but you know what, also, we need to be willing to receive that. We need the humility in our lives that we allow others to speak into our lives, that we allow others to remind us to reprove us, to rebuke us if we need it. That we have people in our lives that trust us enough, that love us enough, that are willing to do that in our lives because all scripture is inspired. And that word inspired, most of you know this, that word is God breathed. That God breathed into his word and it is life. And it is true. And it's not just words on the page that we're to memorize, where it's not just a set of things that we're supposed to obey, but it's God breathing life into us. It's God speaking to us, it's God transforming us through his word. And his word is true and it's profitable for us. And so he says all of this, the reproving, the rebuking, the exhorting, the preaching of the word, all of this is done with complete patience and teaching. So Paul, Paul doesn't add words just for fun. So he says complete patience. He's saying that we don't give up on each other that we don't give up, we don't get exasperated and just say, you're never gonna get it, you're too dumb, you're too sinful, you're too whatever, but he says that we have complete patience, that we, we love the way Christ has loved us, we give ourselves to people, we hang in with people, we stick with them, we try everything we can, we keep reminding them of who God is in their lives and, and what God's called them to do, and, and maybe there's a time, maybe there's a love that says, you know what, for a season, you're gonna have to step aside but we do it with complete patience. Now, here's, you know, if, if you're a parent, you, you get this because one of the things that we try to do as parents is that we try hard, <laughs> as best we can, to never, to never discipline out of anger, right? Never discipline out of anger. So, You know, you might give your kid a timeout sometimes, but you're really giving yourself a timeout so you can sort of calm down, get perspective, think this through, and um, how am I going to do this? How am I going to talk to him? What are we going to? How are we going to process this? But you never want to discipline your child out of anger. You want to wait. You want to do it with with love and with patience because you're teaching them, you're correcting them, you're guiding them, you're you're growing them. And so one of the things that, one of my convictions always, that, that if one of my boys got punished, that there was also a conversation after, we would never leave it at punishment. We would never leave it at consequences, that's what we called it. I even had a wooden spoon that I wrote the word consequences on, just to make sure they understood it wasn't a, a penalty or a punishment, it was the consequences for, you know, decision that they had made, uh, or the lack thereof. But Then we'd always hug it out afterwards. We'd always talk and we'd hug it out because God's called us to discipline each other. God's called us to care for each other with complete patience. And I said, love you. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not stopping loving you. But this is who we're called to be. You get this picture of who Paul is to people. Think about Paul who's been shipwrecked, who's been uh, stoned, who, who has been you know, beaten, uh, who's been threatened, who's been imprisoned, and still, he says, with complete patience, we present the gospel, we keep loving people, and we keep teaching. We're always teaching. When in your life are you not teaching? If you really think about that, when in your life are you not teaching? You're, you're, You're constantly teaching other people. Your attitude, your words, your body language, uh, you know, all of those things. We're constantly teaching people. Jesus said that you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, that people look at us and they're going to get a perspective on Jesus by our lives, and we're constantly teaching people what Jesus looks like. Paul wanted Timothy to understand that. And then he says, interesting, it says three, in verse three, for a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And let me just tell you that what happens is uh, we decide, you know, maybe there's a part of the Bible that we just don't like or we don't understand Uh, We don't want to hear it. Uh, We don't want to know what it really means. We, we We just don't like that part of it. And I promise you that you can come up with a hypothesis and you can find a teacher or somebody who claims to be a teacher on YouTube that will fit that for you. If you, you just think of the most bizarre thing you can, and you can find somebody on YouTube that's out—they're out there. Everything that you can imagine is being espoused on YouTube by somebody, and 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 you know, and these people have no credentials; they don't have to have anything, but they get on YouTube, and somehow being on YouTube gives them authority, and people are listening to this because they're telling them what they want to hear. And, and I and sometimes I look at this stuff and I think, who? How could you possibly believe this? But if you've already decided this is what I want to hear, and this is what I want to believe, and this is kind of where I want to be, then then you can find somebody to agree with you. They're out there. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that there is going to come a time when people aren't going to want to hear the truth. They're not going to hear the gospel. Uh, They don't want to hear how God has called us to live. And so they're going to find teachers. They're going to go look for teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. And he's saying continue to preach the word of God. Continue to be faithful to the scriptures. Continue to rebuke and to reprove and to exhort. Call them back to Jesus. Call them back to God's word. Call them back to scripture. Don't give up. Don't don't just hide away. Don't let it go because you want to be popular. You want to be safe. You want to be secure. You you, you don't want to to ruffle anybody's feathers. You don't want to cause any kind of conflict. But he's saying stay faithful because the time is coming uh, that people aren't going to want to hear it. And he's saying this in the first century, and we're living it out now. But it was true then. Human nature is still human nature. And he says people are going to have itchy years. So because of that, Paul says, that that's sort of a little bit of an addition and right in the middle of the passage. And because of that, he's saying in verse 5, And as for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Be sober-minded, be balanced, self-controlled, Endure suffering. Paul is confident in God. Paul knows that his time is coming. Paul knows that he's going to be executed, that sooner or later it's going to happen. But he says, I know what the prize is. I know what the goal is. I know what God's called me to. I know I spend eternity with him, and I can endure anything for this short period of time for eternity with Jesus. He always keeps the end in mind, he always knows how the story finishes. And so then Paul says, and then finally he sums everything up by fulfilling your ministry. Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Do everything that God's called you to do. And Paul lifts the curtain in his life, and it's not the main point of the passage, but it's a great example of what it means to finish well. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time for my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but uh, also all who I've loved his appearing. All who are committed to him. All who understand who he is. And Paul is saying, this is my life. I finished the race. I've fought the good fight. I've been faithful to what God's called me to do. I've poured, my life is being poured out as a sacrifice to Jesus. That that's who I am. That's what I've done. And I have to look at that this morning and think, you know what, That's, that's how I wanna finish. That's what I want this to look like. That I've fought the good fight, that I've finished the race, that my life is being poured out, but it's being poured out for the sake of Jesus that my life isn't being poured out for something that doesn't mean anything, that doesn't have eternal significance, but it's for Christ. And so here's the last part of this that I wanna help us with this morning. So Paul is talking about pouring out, he's talking about his life being poured out, but here's the thing that we need to understand, that in order to be poured out, there has to be something that's been poured in, right? There has to be something in our lives that we say is worth pouring out. It's not just great ideas, it's not just platitudes, it's not just verses, but Paul says, my life has been poured out as an offering to Jesus, and that tells us that something has been poured into his life that he is now pouring out, and I wanna finish this morning talking about that. Pour in there's four things that I think we want poured into our lives. First is God's word, second is the Holy Spirit, the third is encouragement through worship and then life with friends. God's word, Holy, Holy Spirit, encouragement through worship and life with friends. God's word, allow the scripture to speak into your life. It's not an obligation to read the scripture. It's a gift to read the scripture. We don't read the scripture so that we can say we read the scripture. We don't read the scripture so that we're not guilty later in the day. We don't read the scripture because we want more information than the person that are that next to us or, the, or the, our neighbor or somebody that we disagree with. We read the scripture because it transforms us that it's God's living, breathing word that changes us from the inside out. And it's a gift that he's given us. And the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.17 says, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, that God promises to pour out his spirit. Not only that, but Romans 5.5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That God pours his spirit into us. He fills us with the resurrection spirit of Jesus. He does it to transform us, to change us, so that his love can be poured out of us into a hurting and dying world. He gives us that spirit. He gives that to us. He pours into us. So if you're here this morning and and, and Christ is your Lord and and you belong to Jesus, he has poured his spirit into you, but the problem that we have so often is that we don't appropriate that spirit in our lives. We live our lives as though it never happened, as though he's not there as though he's not transforming us, but he calls us, he welcomes us to live a life in his spirit. That's why Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life. Instead continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow God's Spirit to begin to fill you. Allow God's Spirit to fill you in all of those places that, that He isn't already. All of those places that maybe you have kept to yourself. Lord, I want you in, in my life, but I've got these parts of my life that I don't want anybody to know about, that I that I can't give away to you, that I, I want to keep for myself. I, I need the security. I, I need whatever it is that I that I really like, that I'm addicted to, that I want and he's saying be filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow God's Spirit to continually fill those spaces that you haven't given him already. Allow him to completely fill your life with his Spirit so that your life can be poured out. Paul is warning the church in the city of Ephesus here in Ephesians 5 to let Christ control your lives and not anything else. That if we don't allow Christ to control our lives, something else will. And then we have encouragement through worship. That we, we get encouragement by God's word, by God's word being sung to us, by singing, uh, by psalms, by hymns, by worship, all of those things. And so I felt like it would be appropriate right now if we sing one more song together this morning.
0: In just a moment,
1: Worship together, we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, Paul talks about that. When you get home today, get that Ephesians 5:18 and then read the next couple of verses, and he talks about what it means to be continually filled with the Spirit, uh, that he wants to continue to transform us, to change us, to flow through us, to fill all of those corners, all of those dark places in our hearts uh, and our minds. He wants to transform us From the inside out, and we get to cooperate with that. that, You know why you have a devotional in the morning? You have a devotional to create space for God's Spirit to fill those spots. You create space for God to work in your heart and in your mind. You don't do a devotional uh, just to do a devotional. You don't do a devotional because that's what all Christians do, but you create space for God to speak to you, to work in your heart, for His Spirit to fill you and to flow through you and to use you you certainly do do it to set the stage for the rest of the day but what you're saying is lord i want to cooperate with what what you're doing in my life and i want your love to flow out of me into the world today into every person that i come in contact with and every person that i touch uh, every person that i speak to every person that i deal with that's the promise that's what he has and then the last thing, the fourth thing is life with friends. This is a common topic around here, isn't it? that our, our lives can't, uh, our lives can't grow without people around us who, who encourage us, who challenge us, who walk with us, who love us, who care for us. that God created us to do this community. That's always been His intention. That's always been what He wanted. And so we do life with friends. We do life. Uh, in community. In, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to up to Portland and I'm going to meet uh, two buddies of mine that we've been meeting like this for 40 years and uh, we just do life together. Uh, we've Our kids are grown up. Um, we still meet. We still give each other a hard time. We still share our hearts. But it, what, what happens is that the second that we get together, there's just nothing that's hidden, nothing that we don't talk about uh, that they have challenged me, they've reproved me, they've rebuked me, they've exhorted me. I've done that with them over these last 40 years. And we stay committed because God's called us to do life with friends. He's called us to, to live with people. God uses those folks in our lives. They're part of our journey. We grow together. We sharpen each other. We challenge each other. We serve each other. That's how God has wired us. That's what he's called us to. You know, our son Josh, one time, when uh, he was about nine. I was coaching his soccer team and it's halftime and he comes off the field and he's just sweating and he says, Dad, I don't know if I can go back out there in the second half. I said, really, what, what's going on, Josh? He said, I left it all on the field, Dad. I got nothing left. I said, well, have an orange and let's see how it goes, okay? Let's see if maybe you can make it. But I loved this idea, I love this attitude <laughs> this nine-year-old kid felt like I left it all on the field in the first half. I'm just done. I'm toast, Dad. I can't. I can't go out there again. And I thought, you know, I just wish all my friends my age were so committed to leaving it all on the field, uh, to leaving it everything out there, to giving everything that we have for the sake of Christ, for something that's eternal, for something that that really matters. It, it's been a privilege. Uh, you know, for years and years now to talk about my 80-20 rule of ministry and that's that 80% of ministry is invisible. That 80% of ministry is invisible and I've gotten to teach this in, in, in Europe for the last couple of years and in different places around the world but that who you are in Christ is more important than anything that you do. Who you are in Christ is more important than anything you do and then your preparation your planning will determine the effectiveness of the 20% that everybody sees. So Sunday, as important as it is, and as much as I love to be with you, is 20% of my life and my walk with Jesus. But there's 80% that leads into the 20 that is the biggest part of my life. It's my relationship with Jesus, it's how I grow with him. Uh, and I've shared with you in the past and have been reflecting on it that one of the, I've, I, I've told people I've, wanted, I've only had one great fear in my life and, and that's that I get good at my job and forget Jesus along the way because who you are in Christ is more important than anything you do. And to finish well, Christ needs to be in the center. To finish well, Christ needs to be lifted up. He needs to be uh, the most important. Please don't write off a passage like this because you're not a pastor or you're not on a church staff because we are all, we're the priesthood of all believers. We're all in this together. We're all part of God's ministry. We're part of the city set on a hill that we are engaged, that we're called to be in season and out of season. We're, We're called to preach the gospel whether it's through our words or through our life and through our families, but we're called to be part of what God is doing. That's what he's called us to. Would you stand with me, please? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we had the privilege of having communion together, your supper, that you ordained, uh, Lord, that you called us to, that we remember your sacrifice on the cross, and we remember the power of your resurrection We are reminded that we have life and that we're to celebrate this as Wes called us to. That we're to celebrate this until you return, Lord, and we are grateful for that. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you challenge us to pour out our lives for the sake of others, but Lord, that you pour into us through your word, through you, Holy Spirit, uh, through each other through worship and so Lord we receive that this morning and uh, Lord I ask that at this moment that you would remind us in our hearts and our minds that you live in us that you are flowing through us that you are transforming us that you are empowering us Lord uh, that you are growing us into the image of Jesus so that we might be a light in a dark world and Lord we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor because it's for your kingdom and it's for your church, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good job. We'll have prayer partners aside. side. Don't go anywhere real quick. I have one more thing to say. Prayer partners uh, on the side in our prayer table. Don't forget about that. But before you leave this morning, I have one more little admonition for you, and that is that uh, you're gonna have a new pastor here really soon, a new senior pastor, and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to, talk on it. I'm getting old. I want you to commit to pouring into his life. I don't want you to assume that he's always gonna be filled up. He's gonna be brand new, and he and his family, and they're gonna be getting adjusted, and they're gonna to get to be you know, a, a whole new group of people, and I think you're awesome people. I think you're wonderful people, Um, I think they're going to fall in love with you really fast, but it's going to take a little time and I want you to pour into their lives, okay? I want you to welcome them. I want you to, I want you to pray for them. I want you to greet them. I want you to invite them over to your house. I want you to do whatever it takes to make them feel uh, valued. I want you to, to just commit yourself to pour into them. Don't assume that they don't need your encouragement. Or your prayer, don't be quick to critique or to criticize. I wrote that down so I wouldn't forget. But pray for him and his family because I'm going to. I'm going to be praying for him and I'm going to be reaching out to him and I'm going to be trying to, as best I can, to pour into him. I spent 30 years working for Young Life. I started out as a local area director and then I finished as a senior vice president and I kind of went through this whole gamut with Young Life, and then my wife and I had this weird idea of coming into the church, and I became a senior pastor, and I'd never been a senior pastor before, and I'd spent all of my years in Young Life, but many of you here gave us permission to figure out how to be senior pastors, and you gave us permission uh, to figure out how to do this, and. Uh, how to take our experience in young life and apply it into a church. And and so we did things weird because I I like to memorize names and and, and I like to clean the bathrooms and I like to do things that, you know, that maybe not everybody was doing at at the time and you gave me permission to figure out, uh, you know, because, you know, it's so weird, but if you're a pastor, Sunday comes every week and you're, so you're preparing for a sermon every week, and there's a point where spiritually and, and mentally and emotionally, that's a grind on you, and if you've not been doing it for the first 30 years, it's a different, and you gave me permission to do that, and all I'm asking is that you give this young family permission to grow and to figure this out and to find their place to serve and to lead, and God's gonna use them and he's gonna use you in just ways that I think will um, just amaze all of us, all right?
0: at northbiblechurch.com.